so good to see you all in the house. For those of you joining us online, we are so excited and we kind of privileged to come into your homes. How many of you believe God has something that he wants to speak to you directly from his word? Anybody open to God speaking to your life? Amen. Well, if that's you, say this with a say, I have ears to hear. I have a heart to receive. And I have the ability to understand and receive. God's living word. Come on now, if you believe that, we're celebrating God's word today. We are excited once again to speak directly to you. Listen, here at Church at the Bridge, we're not interested in giving you our opinion. We simply want to point you to God's word. What a concept. That we would go to the author and finisher of our faith, God. And so today we're starting off on a brand new series entitled The Tipping Point. And as we start this new series, we're going to be learning about a tool that God has equipped everyone with. Somebody say with me, I have it. See, now you're saying you have it, but what are we talking about? (laughs) Listen closely. We'll be learning about a tool that God has equipped everyone with, each and every one of us. But few know how to use it as God intended it. We're going to be talking about the mind. We're going to be talking about the mind. See, most of us... If we're honest, we're seeking balance in our lives. We want to experience stability. We want to feel a sense of poise as we navigate through life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God wants us to do more than that. He wants us to thrive, and he wants us to discover an amazing trajectory for life that helps us to elevate through all circumstances in life. And to do so, we must know how to achieve a balance that avails us of the life that God has given us that is fully dependent on his spirit and equally weighs out into our natural lives. And so listen, in this series, we're going to learn about what it takes to overcome an unbalanced life and reach a place of stability with God through the renewal of our minds. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but your mind is a powerful thing. You remember back in the 80s, there was a commercial They used to say a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Some of you know what I'm talking to. Some of you are like, sorry, Pastor, I can't relate to you. You're giving us some insight into your age. Well, listen, today as we begin this series, I'd like to talk to you on the topic of life in the middle. Life in the middle. Now, the middle, as I call it, is the sweet spot of life. It's where you're centered. It's where you're not pulled in every direction. It's where it's a place of stability. It's a place of consistency. It's also a place of safety. And so I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. You ever been driving and all of a sudden you realize you're not in your lane? You ever been there? Right? You you were probably distracted with something that you were looking at. Maybe you were reaching for something in your car. I pray you weren't trying to text while you were driving, right? But I'll tell you something about that, that if you are here and you can say, yeah, I've been there, well, thank God, because it shows that you understand something. At some point, you realize, I can't get out of this lane. I got to get back to the middle. And you quickly pulled back into the middle. My point with that is simply this, that in the same way, the mind is the vehicle by which God has empowered us to remain in the center lane of life while partaking of the power of the Spirit and correctly navigating through everything that pertains to our daily lives. Listen, I get it. 
there are some of us that we've been taught, or maybe you have this belief. God is in control. God has it all under his hand. Well, let me ask you a question. Where's the role in the decisions you make? See, God honors our choices. And God has given you and I the ability to navigate through life. He's provided us his truth. He's provided us his word. He's provided us his spirit. But in the midst of all that, you still have to make a decision. And this mind is pivotal to choosing correctly. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. Somebody say, that's me. It's talking to you and me. Listen, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, as a result of what God has done for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able, I'm going to back up and I'm going to say that again. Then you will be able to test and approve what's God, what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I want us to consider something here. That in these verses, we see the role of the mind and the spirit. And how it's meant to produce a powerful experience for life through our natural bodies. But to achieve this, we must get to the place of understanding where we reach the middle. What are you talking about? It's where life by the spirit and life in our bodies function as one. Listen, most people spend their lives trying to be good for God. Now, think about this. The chance that as you and I, as, you, as we read these verses, your attention to, was drawn to one of three places. The first and most common for believers is in verse 1. Let me put it to you this way simply. It's called religion. Listen to what I'm saying. If you simply stick to verse 1, the emphasis here is characterized by superficial acts of sacrifice in an attempt to be pleasing to God. That's what religion calls you to. Religion calls you to be a better person for God. In other words, you work at being better for God. You work on improving upon the old you. You give up these things for God, but it's all based on your actions. Here's the thing, though. The scripture says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man can boast and go, look, God, what I'm doing for you. Look, God, what I'm giving up for you. And so listen. This is the place where we modify our dress, where we address our speech, where we're so conscious of our behavior and the sinful things that we do. We're so sin conscious that we can't be God conscious. We live in guilt and condemnation as opposed to the freedom that's been given to us in Christ. In essence, this is a self-help approach based on change for God by way of your actions. I remember growing up... Uh, when we started going to church, uh, we, we, you know, it was so enticing. Now, mind you, I didn't believe in Jesus based upon what I was told by a preacher. I was drawn to a relationship with God by the change that I saw in my mind. But in the beginning, it was very confusing because we went to a very legalistic environment. Right? My mother's a beautiful woman. 
And all of a sudden, we start going to church, and we're hearing about how God loves us and how, how God is good and how God's blessing and everything that Jesus did for us, and we're feeling so accepted and loved. But all of a sudden, there was a tension that we had to navigate because what, my mother, what I began to see my mother struggling with was that while she was told, and we began to believe that God loved us and accepted us, we were told that in order to maintain that, we had to change some things. And the emphasis was on this. You can't wear earrings. You got to put your hair in a certain type of way. They told my mother, you can't wear pants. You can't wear shorts. You only got to wear long skirts. You got to dress a certain kind of way. You got to act a certain kind of way. You got to talk a certain kind of way. And so the emphasis was all upon what we did for God. And so guess what that created for us? Every week, we were at the altar repenting. Or what you might think was repentance. We were feeling so bad and so beat up. And every week we were accepting Jesus again. You get my point? Right? The second place where your attention might be drawn to as it pertains to these two verses is found in verse 2. This approach places the emphasis, the emphasis on the intake of information about God. Now, mind you, I'm talking about approaching a relationship with God by one verse as opposed to both working together. So in verse 2, if you just go on by verse 2, most people will approach it with the by placing an emphasis on, I got to know about God. I got to read God's word. And here's the thing, that it produces a false sense of confidence based on your familiarity with the scriptures. Here's what it sounds like. I know what the word says. Now, listen closely. This also turns out to be a self-help approach because it places the emphasis on gaining knowledge without knowing God. And here's the kicker. Here's the proof of it. It doesn't lead to an inward change. Just because it was a good word doesn't mean that it renewed anything in you if you haven't allowed it to take root in your heart. That makes sense? And so the third and the one where we should be drawn to is a combination of both of these verses that leads us to what we're calling the tipping point. It incorporates an increase of the knowledge of God that leads to a renewal of the mind, which then produces a change in your beliefs. Listen, this inward change then leads to an outward change. That makes sense? And, it, it, and then it begins to impact habits, actions, and ultimately defines a new way of life that is truly guided by the Spirit of God. That's where you and I want to be. This is where true life change occurs and relationship with God becomes real, it's genuine, and it's relevant to every aspect of our life. And so I want us to turn in the scriptures to a great example that gives us insight into the importance of living in what we're calling the middle. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 26. And starting at verse 26, it says that they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs, literally, with dead people. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torture me. 
For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. And many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. And when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the, uh, of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. And so he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And so in this uh, biblical account, this historical account of this encounter with Jesus, what we find is a man who is broken. He's tormented, he's bound to the extent that he made his dwelling among the dead. And he endured much harm and destruction to himself while instilling great fear in all those around him. Now here's what's interesting. This man was from a region where unbelief abounded. The region of the Gerasenes was one of ten cities that made up a larger region known as the Decapolis. Bible historian Josephus described it as a strong and wealthy city that was inhabited by Greeks who held to pagan practices. What does that tell us? That this most likely was a place where disbelief was common as a response to Jesus' message. And so it's very likely that the cultural influence and the conditions of the time played a big part in creating a resistance and an opening into the life of this man that brought about this demonic possession. But here's what I want us to focus on. This did not place any limitation on the love of God for him. It did not. Jesus came to set him free. Now, I want you to consider something that what's interesting about this encounter is that the deliverance that Jesus enacted in this man's life did not stop at simply casting out the demons that were working in him, that tormented him. This deliverance also extended itself to the healing of his mind. I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because the Bible tells us that after being delivered from the binding power of these demons, that this man was found at the feet of Jesus. He was fully clothed and he was in his right state of mind. 
This deliverance was complete. And so complete was it that this man was rightly able to discern and understand who Jesus was. And thus, he set himself at his feet. And he had a passion and a desire to follow him wherever he would go. Now, this term right mind or right state of mind in the Greek is one word, which is the Greek word sophroneo. And what it means is, is to be of sound mind. But listen closely. It means to exercise self-control. It also means to curb one's passions or to be sober-minded. In other words, you take dominion of your thoughts. You are so centered in your manner of thought that it leads you to a place of clear perception and understanding. So why is that important? Because Jesus understood that this man was not, solely, uh, was not solely in need of deliverance from this demonic possession. He also needed to get to a place where renovation of the mind was possible. So let me just, let's just think about this for a moment. Anybody ever find yourself in a place, any of you like me ever find yourself in a place where you desired true change but somehow it wasn't happening? We've all been there, right? Maybe we're experiencing that right now. Hey, no judgment in that. But I want you to consider something, that oftentimes when we approach change, or we approach what we are seeking in terms of being delivered from a situation, or delivered from some sort of uh, uh, emotional or spiritual or even uh, a practical uh, situation that's creating challenges for us, most people focus on the outward process of change. And what we're seeing here is that Jesus did not deal with the outward circumstances. Jesus didn't show up and say, let me take those chains and put them back on you. Or let me, let me take those chains off and let me put some clothes on you. No, Jesus went directly to the heart of the matter. And it wasn't just what was at work in this man's heart, but it was what, what was at work in his understanding. And thus the scripture tells us that after this encounter with Jesus, this man found himself in a right state of mind. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Now, you know what's interesting about this scripture that for some of us, we approach it this way. When we read, you keep in perfect peace, here's what we understand. I keep in perfect peace. I keep myself in perfect peace. And what the scripture is saying is this, that perfect peace, peace, complete peace with God comes as our mind is stayed on him. So what does that mean? That you wake up every morning and you go, I'm just going to stay right here, God. Does it mean that we flip through our Bible and wherever it lands, I'm just going to stay right there? No, not at all. The term stayed here means to lean upon, to rest, to brace oneself. Think of it this way. Imagine that you were hobbling and you were having trouble walking. Chances are that you are going to lean upon something in order to be able to move around. Let me ask you a question. What are you leaning on in your understanding? I want you to think about this. 
Because the scripture says that perfect peace is the result to the person whose mind is stayed on him. But watch why. Because you trust him. Why is that important? Think about this. Where are your most dominant thoughts? Don't answer that. Answer that for yourself. Where does your mind go to? What are your thoughts centered around? That's a great question. I'm going to tell you why. Because it'll indicate to you whether you are in peace or aren't. You know what the problem is? For some people today, we're leaning and centering and drawing our dependence and our thinking upon something that is faulty. And as a result, it produces instability, it produces anxiousness, it produces fear, and it leads us to places God never intended us to be. And so what I want you to see is this, that your mind is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. I've heard people say, oh, God's got this. Well, praise God, God's got this. But guess what? God honors his word, and he will only give you. He's done his part. He gives us the truth. The thing is that if we're struggling, it's probably because we're not leaning enough on the word of God. Notice what leaning does. It gives you the ability to stand. And the Bible says that we are to stand, and after having stood, that we should continue to stand. But you can't stand if you don't have a revelation of the Word of God. If this mind is not being renewed daily. See, what you lean upon determines where you stay in life. What you lean upon determines where you stay in life. And if you don't like where you are right now in life, I have good news for you. That can change. And here's how it starts. What you do with this mind in response to the truth of God's word. Well. And so for the last couple of moments that I have here, I want to give you a couple of things just to consider about some practical steps to living your life in what I'm calling as the middle. The tipping point, the place of balance, where this mind is renewing, it's renewed, it's working, right? It's, it's in line with God. And the first thing I want to give you is this, is that a right understanding of God will lead you to the right results. A right understanding of God will lead you to right results. Listen to Proverbs 11, 1 through 3. Starting at verse 1, it says, The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales. So I want you to get a picture, scales. And scales are used to balance, but what's on the scales? I'm so glad you asked. He says, the Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. That speaks of balance there. Pride leads to disgrace, but humility, but with humility comes wisdom. Honesty guides good people. Dishonest, dishonesty destroys treacherous people. So what we see here is that God does not favor imbalance in our lives. That's not his will. He detests it is what he says. He tells us what lies on both sides of the scales. Now whether you are operating and living this way or not is not an issue with God. God gave it to you. 
The question is, are we living in balance? And here's what's on both sides of those scales. One is humility. And according to the Hebrew word, here's what it speaks of. When it talks of humility, it's simply referring to a life submitted to God. You know, you know when you're on the highway and you hit that sign that says yield, right? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about because you always just fly right through. I get it. You know what yield means? Yield means I make way for you. I cease, I slow down in deference to you. Please, you first, sir. What would this world look like if we lived that way, just with each other? Now, what could this world look like and what could your life look like if you yielded to God first? So, when it talks about humility on the scale, it's talking about a life submitted to God. And when it talks about honesty, it talks about uprightness before God that leads to a life without compromise. And so, get this. Here's where the scales begin to tip. Here's where we get in balance or what the scriptures call dishonest scales. When we begin to place on the scale pride. The scripture here, when it talks about pride, it's talking about a haughtiness that leads to insolence and arrogance. In other words, I got this, God. You ever been there? Oh, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. Where you go, God, I'm giving this all to you, and then you pick it back up. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've been there, right? I've been there, right? It's also talking about dishonesty, and that, that, that word in the Hebrew refers to a life distorted by crooked ways and perverseness. In other words, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Listen, when we begin to place that on the scales of life, when we try to mix, it's like oil and water. It doesn't work, except if you're making some arroz con gandules. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. It's all right, I'll talk to you later about that. Listen, literally what God is telling us is that balance is achieved when we rightly understand our need to live in submission to him. Now that word submission is a dirty word for most people because you think about submission, you're like, oh, I'm not going to submit to no one. You don't know where I come from. You know, who you think you are? No, the question is, who do you think you are in relation to God, right? I know, that's a tough question, man. I'm sorry. Let's move right along. But listen, we got to have a right perspective of God in our life. You know, the Bible talks about these two women, and I won't get into the story. I believe it's in Luke chapter 10 somewhere. These two sisters, Mary and Martha, and the Bible says that one day they, they, they invite Jesus to their house, and Martha's in the kitchen, and she's making some, some pernil. Well, no, that doesn't fit into the story. They were Jewish back then. That didn't fit, right? They're making some collard greens, right, with some fried chicken, and she's doing all this stuff, right? She's preparing all this stuff, and she's in the kitchen, and she's like, oh, my God, and I got to get this, and I got to get that, and I need some help. And she's like, where's Mary? And Mary's out back with Jesus and the disciples, and she's at his feet. And the Bible says that Martha comes out and she goes, Jesus, don't you care that my sister's not helping me? And the Bible says that Jesus responds to her by saying this. He says, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Listen, but Mary has chosen 
the good portion. Mary chose to stay in the place of submission, stay in the place of worship, stay in the place where her thoughts and her minds and her life was centered upon God. Listen, I know for some of us, we think, man, that's hard to do. You don't understand my schedule, this, that. Listen, you can prioritize God in the midst of your workday. You can prioritize God in the midst of your decisions. You can prioritize God in the midst of your anxiety. You can prioritize God in the midst of your worries. You can prioritize God in the midst of any and every facet of life. The question is this, will you make him number one? See, when you rightly understand God's place in your life, now, it's very possible there's someone here, maybe you're joining us online, and this whole Jesus thing is not for you. you, don't, you you've never really believed, you know, you, you don't have an interest, but for whatever reason you're watching today, let me ask you a question. Is what you're believing changing your life for the better? I'm going to tell you why. Jesus put it this way, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that simply means if you seek God and you seek all that's right that God is revealing to you, if you will seek God in his righteousness, he says, all these things will be added to you. So is what you're believing in leading you there to those results? Because if it's not, let me, let me just implore you to listen and heed to the truth in God's word. You have a wrong understanding of God. You have a wrong understanding of life. And as such, you are reaping wrong results. So I want to encourage you not to place undue pressure on yourself to become something for God and instead let the Holy Spirit be the one that leads you into all truth and to show you things to come and to comfort you and teach you and strengthen you and help you. Yes, it's much better when God does the work because he's already done it. And as you begin to get to know him, what you begin to discover is the beauty, the masterpiece that he calls you and that you already are. So, the second thing I want to leave you with here today is this, that a renewed life is a result of a renovated mind. A renewed life is the result of a renovated life. You know, it's appealing and attractive when you hear the message of the gospel and you hear God wants to show you an abundant life. He wants you to see something better. He wants you to see the good purposes and plans. Everybody in, in their right mind who's rightly seeking some sort of change will say, well, maybe I need to look into that. But I'll tell you where the process stops for most, where most people don't get to. Turn with me again in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, because this is important. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, listen closely, by the renewing of your mind. And why is that important? Because that word renewed there refers to a process of renovation. Listen closely. This demon-possessed man's life was a disaster because his mind was unrenewed, right? And the reason why his life was a mess was because the reconstruction of his mind had never got started. Now, hear where I'm coming from with this. You might be saying, well, I have Christ. My mind is renewed. I know the scriptures will praise God. You know something about God. That's good. So why am I still going with unwanted results? 
Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because the answer to that question lies in rightly understand, understanding this, that a renewed mind is a mind that is always under construction. Listen closely. Notice that the scripture says that you'll, but, but you'll be transformed by your renewed mind. No, it says by the renewing of your mind. This is an ongoing process. See, a renewed mind is not a destination point. A renewed mind is an ongoing process that is a part of life with God. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self, listen closely, is being renewed day by day. You know, I love my wife. As you can tell, she's around there somewhere, right? And yesterday, we were having a conversation. We, we, we sold our, our previous home in the Windsor a while, uh, last year sometime. We moved into a new home in the Newburgh area. And we were sitting out back in the yard, and we were talking. And my wife says to me, honey, can I ask you for something? And I said, anything, honey boo-boo. What you want, baby? Now, mind you, I've been renovating our home for the last year and change. And I'm just about done with the bathroom. And she goes, hon, can we redo those floors in the dining room area? Oh, and, and something else. Can we redo the roof on the shed? Because, you know, the winter's coming and we're going to have to put some things. And you know that, that that has some holes in it and we, we got to fix that up. And I'm like... Mia, give me a break. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because whenever you get your own place, whether it's an apartment or a home, isn't it interesting that the way you set it up when you first got there isn't the way it stays? You're always changing something. Women right here are going, amen, and they're looking at some men in here. But I want you to think about this. We're always renovating where we stay. And the same should be true about this mind. We should be constantly un undergoing a process of renovation. Most people work on renovating their outer life. But what we see from the scripture is that God wants you to focus on the renovation of your inner life. And I'm going to tell you why that's important. If you look at Romans 12:2. It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it says this, and then you will know what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Everybody wants to get there. God, what do you want? God, where are you leaving me? God, what's your perfect, what's your perfect path for me? God, what am I called to? Well, listen, if your mind isn't being renewed, you'll never discover it. Thus, on a day-to-day -day basis, we should focus on those things that inwardly renew us. Well, how do you do that? Well, why don't you just start by discovering who you are in Christ? Look up every verse in the Bible that talks about being in Christ. It'll begin to tell you something about your new nature. 
It'll begin to tell you something about all that God has given to you that pertains to life and godliness. It'll begin to build you up and encourage you. Listen, when you begin to see what the scriptures say that you can do because of who you are in Christ, you will see greater results in your life. You'll begin to discover the nature of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, and the partnership that God has called you to in relationship with him. You'll see change. And the last point that I want to leave you here with is this. That you can either transform or conform. But listen closely. You can't do both. You can't do both. I believe that right now God is tugging upon the heart of people. I believe that right now at this moment God is speaking to you and me. I'm not excluded from this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm preaching this to me too. I'm still under construction just like you. Don't knock yourself because maybe you're lacking in an area, but understand this, that God is saying the change you seek happens in partnership with me, and I am revealing to you that you must renew your mind in partnership with me. You must not just intake my word. You must not just know about me. You must know how that works practically in your life, and to do that and to live that and to experience that starts with a renovation of your mind. Listen, after a mighty encounter with Jesus, not only was this demon-possessed man's condition changed, what we see is that his life was also changed. This man, all of a sudden, was willing to leave the garrisons. Possibly family, possibly friends, possibly neighbors, people that he had some sort of connection to. And all this he was willing to do in order to follow Jesus. He was willing to leave where he was, to go somewhere with God. He saw life differently, and as a result, he saw the need to go to Jesus. Despite the fact that Jesus told him to stay. He says, Jesus, I just want to go wherever you're going. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't got to do that. Stay right here. But then he gives him a commission. Stay right here and go and tell everyone what God has done for you. Go tell, go tell everyone how you were in a wrong state of mind and now the living word of God has impacted your life. It has changed what you see and you're experiencing life-changing results. Listen, this world system calls us to conform while God's kingdom invites us to transform. But listen closely. The only way to overcome the tension between the life that was, what we're experiencing, and the life that is possible with God, you know what's, what lays in the balance? It's what you're doing with this mind. And I want you to see something. Let's stand here as we close. I want you to see something. That the fact that God tells you and I that we can be transformed by the renewing of mind affirms in us the ability to be able to do so. You can do this. You can start right here, right now. And here's the first step, a place of decision. God, I believe 
that what you're showing me in your word is more real and more true than anything I've known. And because I know it to be the truth, God, I will turn around from where I am and I will go where you're taking me. I feel the need to say this to someone. I don't know who. And I know we're going a little over time, but that's all right, right? You all right? Okay. Listen closely. There are some of you that you're sensing a call from God to go somewhere, to go do something. Praise God for that. But let me tell you something. There is a place that exists between the call and the moment where you start walking that out. And in the middle is the place called preparation. I don't know who this is for, but you need to hear this. God is saying to you, yes, I've called you. Yes, I've anointed you. Yes, I've appointed you. And you're excited about the call, but don't make the mistake where you say, I'm called and I'm going. Even Paul took more than 13 years before he started his ministry. Why am I saying that to you? Because the place of preparation starts with the renovation of your mind. And God's saying, let me show you the tools that I've placed in your hands, the truth revealed in my word, and you begin to work with me in the reconstruction and establishing of a firm foundation for life. Amen? Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all you've done in Christ. We thank you for your word, which is true. And Lord, today, right here, right now, we declare, Lord, that we are yielded to you. That you are God and we are men. And Lord, we defer to you. Sir, we yield to you. Have your way in our lives. Help us to discern, rightly discern your word. And to grasp the truth. And to see our minds renewed. It's possible that there's someone here today, maybe you're watching us online and you've heard about God. Maybe you've known something of God. Maybe you grew up like me in church, but it really never made a difference in your life because while you went to church, you just didn't really know God. And if that's you today, I want you to consider something, that as you're hearing the word of God, it's speaking to you. And there's an unlocking in your life today. There's a, there's a revelation, there's an understanding that you lacked, that you now have where you understand, I did not go to the next step. I may have heard about Jesus, but this renovation never started. And today God is speaking to you. Or maybe you've never believed in God at all, and today you're saying, this is why nothing has ever worked, but I see God is the key. If that's who you are, if that's you today, then I want you to join us in a prayer of confession. And here's what that prayer is. It acknowledges that God loves you so much that he hasn't called you to change yourself, but that he's given everything so that you can experience that change through Jesus. What does that mean? God saw that all men had an issue of sin. And as such, God said, no man can pay the price, although it took a man to mess it all up. And so because I love them so much, and because I'm sure and secure in what I've called and decreed for their lives, I will give my best by becoming a man like them and dying the death that was theirs to die for them. I'll pay the price for them. Here's what that did for all mankind. It removed the weight and the penalty of sin. And it opened the door to a free life with God where you can experience change. 
Now, if you believe that with us, then pray this with us. Say this, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. Today I declare that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior, that you are my God, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Now, if you prayed that, we're celebrating with you all that God has done in your life. Now, God, we thank you for your word, which is alive and active. It's working in our lives. We celebrate Jesus, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this weekend. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that today's message met you right where you are and that God spoke to you powerfully. If you're interested in staying up to date with previous sermons, new content as we go live, or just being up to date with anything and everything that we're doing, please take the moment to subscribe to our YouTube page. Please make sure also to turn on your notification setting on the YouTube channel so that that way you get notified whenever we're going live. Lastly, I just want to thank you for your partnership and I want to ask you to continue in partnership with us with your giving by giving at our website at ctbny.com backslash give or through our Church at the Bridge app. God bless and can't wait to see you again.